Boom, boom. Reunited with three best friends that everyone could ever have. <laughs> with the three best friends you know, that anyone could ever man, have. Uh, you, you know who I'm playing. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like it's not fair. <laughs> it's not fair. You were set up. The beard, I got prepackaged for the hangover. <laughs> <laughs> All right, welcome to Debatable. That's Spencer Hall. That's David Dennis Jr. We had some tennis, y'all. Alabaster, get us into the action. Okay, guys. Monumental day for the State of the ATP Tour. 20-year-old prodigy Carlos Alcaraz won his second Grand Slam, defeating Novak Djokovic in a five-set thriller at Wimbledon. Was this victory a changing of the guard? Hell yeah! I mean, I like making definitive statements, and I've been a big, <laughs> big Alki fan for a long time. My man Alabaster got me on Alcaraz a couple years ago, and I'm happy to see this final breakthrough and Djokovic on his court. It was great. I got a lot of feelings. I'm more emotional than analytical, but I know my man Spencer Hall really likes tennis, and he can give y'all some numbers or something to make this all make sense. But all I got to say is that dude Alcaraz could play cornerback, which is the highest honor you can give anybody. It's above being being knighted in Great it's Britain. The, it's the above, peak of athleticism. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's like if I look at you and I say, oh, that's <laughs> be a cornerback, then you know that you have done everything. And when I watch Alcaraz run around that court whew, with his scruffy beard, he do need a haircut and a shave. Nike need to get their money together and get this man a glow up so he can start selling shoes. But uh all, anything else he's perfect at because he has cornerback explosiveness. Spencer, tell us important things we need to know. Is this Thank like you, you giving out a, a Michelin star? Uh-huh. This is basically like your Michelin star of, of sports. It's thing. like you could be a- <laughs> he's the only one that's getting it right now. He's the only active athlete who is not a cornerback who I will say has reached cornerback level of athleticism. I just want to see you do this for everyone in history, right? Like Einstein, cornerback of oh. physics. Oh. Rate it, right? oh. Yes. Give him one. <laughs> Pin it on his chest. Because he's um, swaggy, too. The hair is swaggy, very swaggy. <laughs> um, Alcaraz won his first title on grass when? Last month. Last <laughs> month. In the last week of June. If you want to know how fresh this is, like, Alabaster wants to ask, is this a changing of the guard? It is the arrival of somebody who, in the middle of this tournament, noticeably got better at playing on grass. Grass is a real rare surface. It's a very thin slice of the ATP calendar. Not many people play on it regularly. I think prior to his, I think prior to his win last week at Queen or last month at Queens, he played 25 hours on grass. 25. That's it. Okay. That's not enough to get you rated in a cheap airplane. Okay. <laughs> That's not enough. Like 25 hours doesn't get you to full time in a week. That's how much time he had last month playing on this surface. And he not only got noticeably better during the week of this tournament, like got better against top 25 opponents, no less ranked opponents. He got better during this match. If you notice, I thought we were like getting okie doke with your standard Djokovic match where he laid back, gave up a couple of sets, and then locked down four and five. In, 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 the, fifth, in the fifth, he was a monster. Alcaraz just said, no, I dare you to hit it. Djokovic did something that I don't think I've ever seen, okay, which is he lost on his backhand. He would hit the backhand. Alcaraz came right back at him. That's it. It's astonishing. So, yes, 
If you want to call it the arrival, I'm good with that. If you want to call it the changing of the guard, I'll believe Novak Djokovic is retired, gone, and done with dominance the day he's gone. The cornerbacking. It's, it's, not, it's not a changing of guard, not a rival. It's the cornerbacking mm -hmm. of Carlos Alcaraz. And you're right. <laughs> I, I'm not the, the, the um, tennis nerd, but I noticed that he was hitting drop shots. He was hitting lob shots. He was hitting cross-court uh, finishes. He just everything. Mm -hmm. It was incredible. Even amateurs like me could appreciate how special that was. What did you see, David Dennis? I, this I'm trying. I've been trying to come up with some sort of metaphor or some sort of uh, correlation that I could think of of something like this for for the for the layman to sort of get. And I'm kind of thinking like if Scoot Henderson just showed up and just beat Steph in a three point contest, and Scoot was wearing Tim's like and like they were in or like they were in Oracle. Like this is what it feels like. It just feels like you showed up in this guy's domain, like the final boss of tennis, and you showed up on his level of final bossness, where he's like throwing things from the set and there's things like crashing onto you and your controllers like you can't handle things and you still somehow win like this is this is what it was you beat the final boss at 20 when you have barely even played on grass like that it yeah, makes the, no sense the um when they showed him Alcaraz's name going up on the list and it just said Djokovic 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 Alcaraz <laughs> like that was like was it four Djokovic's I, I know he hadn't lost since 2017 so it was like four in a row right yeah, Spencer, mm -hmm. correct me if I'm wrong. And then I had yeah, Alcaraz at 20 yeah. years old to do that was really impressive. And do it the way that he did it. I saw a couple times we saw the, I guess, the to get into the cliche machine, we saw like the heart of a champion from Djokovic a number of times where I'm texting Alabas like, oh, it's over. Here it comes. It's over. Yeah. Yeah. It's over because it seemed like he could just get on top. And it was going back and forth where I thought Alcaraz had Djokovic beat. And Djokovic was like, nah, this is, this is my house. And Alcaraz keep fighting back. So, yeah, that's why I feel comfortable saying it's changing of the guard. One, because I don't have all the history in the game that Spencer has. I'm just excited right now. And two, because what more can he face? Who's better on any surface in any place <laughs> in the world at anything than Djokovic is on grass? And he beat him. Basically, I, beat him just showed up on grass, like at the gym, like mm -hmm. like at a pickup game. It was like, oh, you got yeah. playing grass. Cool, I'm going to win. <laughs> yeah, I've messed around with that, right? Like, <laughs> consider this. The amount of hours he's had on grass is equivalent to your intro level of a video game where you're like, okay, I learned how to yeah. jump and shoot. It's now time to get through the tutorial. He also did something that I thought was absolutely cruel, which is make a man in his mid-30s run backwards after lob shots and drop shots. That oh, was yeah. absolutely nasty. Not that Djokovic looked awkward returning them, but you could tell it's more effort than it used to be. Absolutely nasty work. And I, when you have a, a sport like this, and this is like what I wanted to ask Dominique about, you're a cornerback who used to work in one-on-one, -on -one, right? Mm -hmm. Peak of athleticism. Naturally, it's a one-on-one -on -one situation. But there's all kinds of factors that can explain what happens, right? Maybe the safety didn't help me out. Maybe you're going to point at him and go, that was you. I know you're going to do that because you're a cornerback. You'll be like, hey, I got burnt. I need to point at the safety. That can't happen in tennis. Yeah. Dominique when never did that for the record. Person, Dominique never did that. For of course, the never did that. Never. But psychologically, that yeah. is so difficult because you watch them out there and you go, I know Novak Djokovic never believes he's out of a match. And this dude is icing him. Yeah. Like there's no rebuttal to this. That's why I think if you want to say it's a changing of the guard, I, I'm okay with that because the evidence is right there. This dude went one-on-one. -on -one in a sustained four hour and 40 minute match, if I have it correctly, four hours and 40 minutes. And he didn't snap so much of tennis at the highest level is about people of equal insane athleticism, overcoming difficult psychological circumstances and through conditioning. He's got it all. It's 
bonkers how good he is on every surface. Not just grass, by the way, okay? He's he's won on all of them at an incredibly young age. And not to I know Dominique's going to answer, answer your original question, but but he got blitzed coming out the gate. <laughs> like, this this thing oh, yeah. was like, like, we talk about the psychological advantage. Basically, you showed up on, on as a road team and got smacked by 21 points in the first quarter. And you and mm-hmm. he pulled it together. Like, this felt over quickly. Like, this felt like, all right, this, this was great, Alcaraz. You had a good shot. Mm-hmm. Jokovic is going to continue to have this Grand Slam year. Way to go, bud. Try next time. And he came back. So the the kind of final step is knowing that you can do it, I think. And mm-hmm. he just added that. So I expect him to be even better going forward because yeah. he knows that he can come back against the best guy on the best surface. And as for your one-on-one comparison, there's nothing like this because, yeah, I can point to the O-line and sometimes I look – or the D-line, sometimes I look better than I am because someone helped me out. I could point to the safety. I could shrug my shoulders and say, good throw. Quarterback threw that. There's no mm-hmm. – it's unguardable pass. There's no excuses in one-on-one sports. It's like boxing. You're out there. Even you got whooped or you whoop some And tennis is the same thing, except a little less physical and hopefully less bloody. But that match was pretty physical. I feel like they both did splits at different points. Yeah. <laughs> bananas. I didn't know we did gymnastics also. But it was just, just fun. I can't say that I've sat around watching any sport for as long as that one went on and felt like it was enjoyable the entire time. But that felt good. And it also felt like there was a momentum building behind it where everyone mm-hmm. It's like hearing word on the street is Teen Wolf busting <laughs> on Wibbleton. Everyone turned to <laughs> <on>. <laughs> Yeah, well, there's nothing like Teen Wolf. There's nothing like an incredible tennis match on social media on Twitter, yeah. like because it takes t- like there's this like these mm-hmm. you know sort of like offensive explosions that you'll see yeah. when Dame or Steph is going crazy and it sort of just matriculates through Twitter and you're like, look at the but God, tennis does something else because it like you can feel it and then a couple of hours in. Everybody on social media is talking about this, even if you have no clue really what's going on. Just two guys smacking balls across the net, and it's just riveting, <laughs> and everybody's talking about it. You know, like that's yeah. sort of this like uniquely tennis thing. Uh, another uniquely tennis thing is when you're watching it and you go, "Hey, if you gave me an athlete's body, ability, and skills, I still wouldn't have the brain." Because I'm watching <laughs> tennis, and I'm like, the minute I go down twenty-one to Djokovic, I'm like, mm, "Showers are calling." <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'd be, I'd be Richie Tenenbaum. You just I'd be gotta, sitting down gotta, in the middle of the court, be like, "No, this sucks." Elbow, grab the elbow yeah. a little bit, and just, ah, just sig- signal to the fans that you gave it your best effort. Right? <laughs> yeah. But uh, the injuries are creeping up on you. Yeah. Um. The one thing that I had, I have left to to experience is a singular dominant tennis player like that on the men's side, and it feels like we're heading that direction. Again, this is me, Spencer, step in. Alabaster, you know tennis, step in and correct me if I'm wrong. But even if it's not over for Djokovic, it feels like it's over for everybody else. As soon as Djokovic, Nadal, and Federer are like all the way out of the game, there are no other names. There are no <laughs> other people that are nearly as exciting uh, as Djokovic. I mean, excuse me, as Alcaraz is. So I'm sure I'm wrong. So please, Alabaster, chime in and tell me all the people that might be better than him in the next 10 years. No one. Oh, it's probably a 12 year old yes. we haven't heard of yet. But I will say that there's there was a run that is similar to this because of how offensively gifted a player Federer was from 2004 to 2008. He won 12 Grand Slams. And other than Nadal on clay, Nadal on clay is the best tennis player in any surface ever. But Federer for that period in his absolute prime, it was an ethereal quality of offensive tennis that like actually had people questioning if he was ever going to be matched 
And there's, do we have a chance that Alcaraz is going to do that being an offensive player over the next three, four, five years? I hope so. All right. That being said, I've been holding on to this since like midway through the conversation because Spencer brought up uh, video games and you guys are around the same age as me. So is there anything better on earth than when you bought a new video game and you get to read the manual on the way home before you get to play it? That was a great feeling. That's all. They don't, oh, have yeah, no, they don't have manuals no more, man. I know, yeah, but I'm saying I'm taking back to when we were young. You didn't do this. I'm the only one, Spencer. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. I read, oh, yeah. no, I, I read the manual 100. Sometimes you get a map with it. Ooh, mm. That's very special. Yeah. Also, shouts out to Nate Tice on Twitter for pointing this out. A lot of people in a certain generation of people, they learned the rules of tennis from Mario Tennis. That's right. And you know what? It's a fine tutorial. I saw a lot of people today who were like, "That was a Waluigi esque shot." <laughs> <laughs> well done. Uh, one of one of the Mount Rushmore sporting games of all time, mm-hmm. Mario Tennis 100%. on Nintendo sixty four. Mm-hmm. That's you know incredible. I, I spent many hours of of, uh, of my life playing Mario Tennis. Learned See, the game. Video games. Video games educate. Yeah, I, I didn't do much Mario Tennis. I think yeah, I was probably having sex by then. <laughs> okay, transitioning from one once in a generation athlete to another. We got Shohei Otani, and he's only under contract through this year with the Angels. The Angels might not make the playoffs again. He could be on the trade market. So the question is, should a team give up the farm to trade for Shohei Otani for half of a season? Hell yeah. Like, I mean, in a, in a game uh, like baseball where you can kind of just spend as much as you want to spend and buy as much as you can buy. I think some of these teams that are in the position to do that, they should, if you want to win a world series, forget about the future, but like the Mets, it appears that no matter how much they spend, it doesn't matter. A team like that or the Yankees. Yeah. The Dodgers, you got endless supply of money. Why would you not do this? It's not only good for those teams, I feel like all of baseball should be wanting this to happen because Shohei Otani is incredible. I've, it's brought me to actually watch a baseball game, which whew, that's hard to do. And he's that good. And I watch playoff baseball. You see Shohei in playoff baseball. I think it changes. It, it adds uh, extra level of intensity and excitement, anticipation to these games, and it makes us care. So, yeah, you can put out all the stats. and know how effective he is a pitcher and a batter. None of that matters. He's a superstar in an entertainment industry. Yes, someone needs to put him in a primetime playoff competitive championship level team. Can you imagine Shohei in the World Series? This whole country would go nuts for that. Free Max B, free the locks, free Shohei. Like these, like get get my get my man out the the clink, please, man. This has been enough. Oh, like we've had enough of this. Whatever we can do to get this man out of here, the Angels, you had your shot. This has been organizational malpractice for a very long time. You you said that this was going to be your your year to try to make the playoffs with him. You're probably not going to do it. The injuries are are catching up to you. Free free my dog, Shohei. Please. Yeah, no, I, I'm really glad you guys gave sensible answers to that because I got nothing but ignorant. Uh, <laughs> that was sensible. I didn't think we were being sensible, but no, I, I'm, I'm down for it. Further, okay. I'm going to give no. Re- have you seen him hit a baseball? Can you get him for a quarter of a season? Can you get him for ten games? Take it and then try to keep him because he's amazing. You're not going to. I would on most nights rather watch paint dry than watch baseball. And I have forgone watching paint dry to watch Shohei Otani play baseball because he hits the ball like he hates it every single time. It's incredible. 
Go get him. Can you imagine a World Series game where he is the starting pitcher, pitcher and also batting? Like, I feel like that is as, as much as we talk about how people don't care about baseball. I think we all care about playoff sports. So when they're, they're in the playoffs, we'll watch it. Then you put on top of it the icing and the attraction of uh, once in we use the word generational a lot. But this mm-hmm. is like really even past that. It's like a once in a lifetime type of player. Yeah. We will never, maybe we'll see more players like this in the future, but he's the one. He's the reason why we might. And to have a player like that in a marquee situation, I think that matters to everybody in baseball. And it should matter to these teams because it's not just a sideshow. He's that damn good. He's Mm -hmm. 29 years old. So, yeah, I guess that is getting up there in age, but not for baseball. I would love to see him ride out five or six top level years at uh, one of these marquee franchises that will be in the playoffs uh, in a perennial fashion. The the most entertaining baseball moment of the last how long was Shohei in a meaningless tournament yeah. <laughs> dominating everybody. Like that's what it was. We saw him in a tournament that people kind of sort of care about and it became – mainstream base mainstream baseball right and so getting him in these important games that matter finally is, is going to do so much for baseball and so much for him i mean this is like this is one of those things where it's like if this were in the nba david stern would have been like push the <laughs> push the damn button get him out of here yeah. as quickly as possible can is there anywhere for us to like be critical of the angels for even listening like they're saying they're in listening mode which to me means that you are definitely going to trade somebody you don't go to listening mode unless you're going to move them but as much as we fawn over how impactful he is and how impressive he is ain't it dumb for them to let him go no because this is where you can make it as a gm you can look brilliant this is really you're never going to get them at a higher value in the trade market you can go out and you can get four or five boring pieces that you need for one incandescent superstar that you're never going to do anything with, right? It's a Ferrari. I hardly drive it. That's what the angels, that's the angels are the dad with too much money who will never drive this car properly. So why don't you just go get four minivans? Why don't you go get four or five (laughs) minivans and trade this thing in? Alabaster. It's also just like we saw the package that Juan Soto got last year, which was like a handful of guys who actually might be impact players at the major league level. Of course, Soto is under contract a little bit longer, but you, the Angels are at a real risk of just losing him for nothing in four months and mm-hmm. never getting a playoff game out of him. So if you can, if you're a GM of another team, he might win you a World Series. And if you're a GM of the Angels, it's like either, yeah, you're trading Babe Ruth, but also this might be your only chance to actually win. Yeah, he might win them a World Series too. Like him moving and them uh, replenishing that roster could put them in position because they aren't without Mike Trout. He's still there, right? And it's going to be there for yeah, the long haul. Yeah. Injured, you know, tail in some of these, you know. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to win know. the World Series this year. I mean, you don't trade away <laughs> Shohei Otani if you think you're in World Series shape this year. But to build up a franchise, you got to move a superstar like that sometimes. It's the classic Herschel Walker is the trade that always comes to mind. That was like the foundation of mm-hmm. the Cowboys dynasty was trading Herschel Walker to Minnesota. So get that Herschel yeah. Walker trade. Now Herschel Walker's name means so many other things. I'm sorry I even brought him up, guys. Apologies. Just a reminder, Shohei Otani once hit a ball through the roof of the Tokyo Dome. Go get him. <laughs> Go get him. Herschel Walker, the, the cornerback of politics, if you will. Hell no. You got, don't you dare put, <laughs> put that CB anywhere near his name. Mm-hmm. I feel I feel like uh I feel like you mentioned um Otani as in the same sense as Babe Ruth, which means I have to say, Babe Ruth, 
He's not even as good as Lefty McGriff from the 1930 White Sox. Shohei Otani. Ha! Huh, I don't believe it. Thank you. There we go. Thank you. Well done. There we go. Nailed there it. Go. Yeah, I like that. My, I like that David just dropped. David just dropped that. Like he made appointment television, right? Playing in an all in a uh, in a national tournament, right? An international tournament. Yeah. We, we neglected to mention that was pitching. Yes. I was like, oh yeah, was he hitting? Yes, I was yes, like, yes, oh no, he, he was throwing out. the ball 98 miles yeah. an hour past Mike Trout, his teammate. <laughs> Just come Mike on. Trout, the world baseball classic. That you was fools. a big, pretty Go big moment. Let's, uh, let's move on to some what are the chances. The first one, the Suns traded Cameron Payne and signed Bull Bull. What are the chances the Phoenix Suns don't need a point guard? <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I think the chances that they don't need a point guard are probably pretty low they need a point guard i'd say 10 percent that they don't need a point guard do they need a point guard like cameron Payne? hell no like, there is no space for him on the team i guess they already have uh i mean point guard abilities obviously they have players that can do that like you can run the offense through durant or book they're capable of doing that but you still need somebody i would think to play the point guard position but yeah get cameron Payne the hell out of there anybody who want to shoot you gotta go it's not as if trading cameron Payne is now the reason they don't have a point guard folks <laughs> like <laughs> like they're not they, they weren't one cameron Payne away from having from from having a ball handling uh small guy up there they just did they never had one that 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 ship sailed they got rid of paul they didn't they couldn't find a point guard in the market they're going to try to roll the ball out and have three scores score 40 points a game and see what happens. And it may work. Like yeah, it may I mean, point work. Guard they just, and, may just and, all just point guard is probably the most like populated position in the league where there's most talented players because they don't have to be enormous. They need somebody who can hit open shots and play defense. I feel like that's easier than a true um, orchestrator of the offense. What do you, what do you think uh, Spencer? Um, I would say that the Suns are the most doing too much team. <laughs> Like in the NBA, they're just going to do things to do things. Uh, Matt Ishbia just generally across the board, like in my valley with college football, um, Ishbia is one of the big boosters from Michigan State. And they're the ones who are like, hey, Mel Tucker won like 10 games, you know, nine games. Let, let's sign him to a 10-year deal. You're like, that's doing too much. That's doing too much. So across the board, this is an owner who is just going to encourage everyone too much. And trying to roll it out with a, out a point guard um, is innovative. It's disruptive. It's doing too much. That's entirely too much. So I'm just going to say, based on uh, my overall distrust of people who do too much, um, I'm going to roll this down to like a 3%, 3% that they don't need a point guard. I held up the triangle jokingly just because that is the basketball BS answer to What are you going to do? <laughs> Mystical triangle. <laughs> Mystical triangle. But yeah, I don't know. I'm going to say it's low. They need a point guard. Scotty. Scotty, Scotty. Um, I would say like thirty percent because their their only way of winning is if each guy just averages thirty points a game. That's it, right? You know, they have no. I don't. I don't see a discernible offense whatsoever working besides just like here's the ball. What's score. the here's the ball score? More importantly, what's the difference between your Doc Rivers and your Phil Jackson? I feel they sound a lot alike. zero. <laughs> um, all right, next one. We got some new heat from Joe Lacob with a quote to wow. show you with the quote to show you guys on the quote board. What are the chances that the Warriors never had two timelines? Give me the quote. There's no such thing as a two timelines. There never was and still isn't and never will be. That's horse poop. So is that a, is that a quote? Is that a quote from Multiverse of Madness? Or is that <laughs> 
Joe Lake, I'm talking about the Warriors. I'm yeah, confused. I mean, that's just dumb. Why can't you just take responsibility? So I, that's the biggest thing. I So I'm, I'm coaching my son's flag football team in the fall. And the thing that I've noticed from these guys at this age, they're around 10, 9, 10, 11 years old, is so rarely does any of them pat themselves on the chest and say, my bad. Everybody got a damn story. I just want Joe Lake up to be like, you know what? That's on me. I said we was going to do this two timeline. We was trying to do two timelines. It failed. But you know what? I learned quickly and I traded all them fools. And now we are back on a single timeline, a timeline called the Steph timeline, the one we always should have been on. Take responsibility. Just move on. You ain't going to trick us. We're not stupid. Joe Lacob is the only billionaire to say something silly this week. I'm glad to report. <laughs> um, I think, <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, way to go. I think this is yeah, this is baloney. There, if there were no two timelines, you wouldn't have unusable picks guys on your roster. Wiseman would not be struggling to find a roster spot in Detroit. He's probably gone out of there, by the way. And you wouldn't have moved Jordan Poole to Washington D.C. Like there is actually Jordan Poole may have been the only sensible contract that they had at the time because he was actually productive. But you have got you have Chris Paul in your team because you're praying that you can get something out of Kaminga and Moody when. Again, as I've been saying this whole time, nobody that you have in any of these drafts will be as good as Stephen Curry at the age of 36 to 39. Like you build around that guy and you should have been doing that, should have traded those picks, maybe kept one of them if you felt like it was a short thing, but trade those picks and you would have had a roster around this guy that would be competing for championships every year. Don't go back to the original quote. Go back to the original quote, haters. Because what he said was, we're just trying to put the best product out on the floor. We're just trying to put the best product out on the floor. That's it. That's all we're trying to do. Two timelines, three timelines, maybe seven timelines, just trying to put the best product on the floor. If you don't understand, I'll translate it for you. That's gibberish. It's absolute gibberish. There were two timelines, okay? And they were trying something. Yeah. But again, we're going to return to a theme. That's doing too much. It's doing too much. Yeah, you I, didn't focus. If you're going to be wrong, be wrong in one way. I remember when this first became a story that they were trying to do this two timelines thing and uh, there's there, uh, the injuries timed up that they got high picks and everything worked out for them to try to make this – take this shot. And I remember saying back then that I thought it was foolish that it's the teams are too competitive. You have to kind of go all in. But if there's any team that can do it, it's this team. And I respected the idea that they were going to try it, even though I thought that it was impossible. I also thought that winning a championship jump shooting was impossible. They proved that that was possible. So it was a chance that it could happen. But the tough thing is when you fall short, just say you fell short and we're redirecting instead of doing this, all this other stuff where you're trying to act like you're smarter than us. I think that's it. That's what frustrates me more than anything is when people have so much success that they think they can trick us. Like you're average intelligence, just like the rest of us, sir. You didn't trick us. You made some good decisions. You got lucky. You got a billion dollars. Now you can't just talk circles around us and convince us that what we know is true is not true. This, this is billionaireing wrong, right? <laughs> this is this is being rich wrong, yeah. right? You know what? Jerry Jones, that's how you want to be rich, all right? Did you do it wrong? Maybe. Maybe did it right. Maybe did it wrong. Doesn't matter. I still got the keys. You don't. Is, like, that's what Jerry Jones has, That's what I would do. Jerry Jones has no desire to convince you that he's smarter than he is. He's just nope. having a ball, baby. Nope. You, know you know what he's got? Big catbird seat. Yep. That's what he's got. He's got the big chair. Come get this big chair or shut up. That's it. <laughs> 
this is a uh, this is not only doing too much; it's just smelling yourself. That's just it's just smelling yeah. yourself a little. Too. Like, like the light the light year the light years thing. Uh, he went with the light years thing like ten years ago, and he's like, I'm going to. He set a bar for himself that he can't reach by saying we're light years ahead of everybody, and then kept trying to reinvent the wheel and make this bar. You didn't have to do it, man. Just put some players around. They they are one just transcendent game four finals performance from Steph Curry away from this being an absolute disaster of a decision, right? Like that saved this entire franchise and they still ran it back the next year. Like, no, cool. Great. We couldn't play our, our, our young players in the finals. We're going to play them more minutes the next year and try to try to make this thing work. Zeros across the board. I decree from my top left corner that we went mm-hmm. zeros across the board. That light years quote, like how far is a light year? And he said light years ahead of everybody. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> Every everybody. He didn't say we are lapping the field. He didn't say we got a head start. He said we are light years ahead of them. Oh. Well, that's how you, that's how you end up lost in space, buddy. <laughs> All right, what's next, Alabaster? All right, guys, got two separate sound bites for you on this one. Um, what are the chances that Brandon Miller knows who Chris Middleton is? Roll it. Man. I don't know these two. Probably a basketball junkie. Probably watches a lot of oh, basketball. I can't see. Maybe not. Maybe he's just really yeah, good at basketball. For whoever that is. Oh, Maybe yeah. you got bad vision. My, yeah. That's my five right there. How far? I got a solid five. We going to championship. <laughs> okay, so does the second um, clip make him look better or worse, Alabaster? Now, you also made some waves over the last couple of days with a TikTok video that was circulating. You didn't know who Chris Middleton was? Tell me what happened. Um, I know who Chris Middleton is. Um, I, you know, I think I think, you, I think people should have more fun um, in the NBA instead of just, you know, always serious. Um, I think I can bring the, the fun back to the game. Now, he did tell me, guys, beforehand that he was intentionally trolling, right? Yes, I troll the media for fun. Um, so, if, if, you know, if you take it, you know, laugh at it. You know, don't, 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 don't be, don't be that guy about it. Just, you know, laugh at it. Maybe repost it. You know, I'll repost it if you repost it. He he didn't know who he was. He couldn't see. Now, I'll, I'll, all right. Can I can I make an excuse for him? Please. I'll make an excuse for him. Means. Okay. TikTok's a real small screen. Okay. Uh, it's a real small screen. Maybe he didn't immediately recognize that guy, and now he's trying to play it off. Okay, that's there. not even the problem. Okay. Not recognizing Chris Middleton is a minor problem that you could have explained away. The fact that he tried to pull the same <laughs> that Joe Lacob just tried to pull is what's frustrated me. And you don't even got a billion dollars yet. Like mm-hmm. you think that you're gonna outsmart us? <laughs> I like mm-hmm. to play game. I like to trick the media. <laughs> yeah, like like let's first of all let let let's not act like. They played Thriller and told him to who and asked him who sang the song. Like if Chris Middleton is not mm-hmm. like you know what I'm saying. It's still Chris. Like he's an all star, fantastic yeah. player. 
give it give it a rest, guys. We are in a. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm gonna be old man here. We're a lost generation. Mm-hmm. We're like an 18, 19 year old. It's like I'm gonna troll the media. Like, yeah. dude. Like, what? Are that is that your idea of fun? Like, that's what you want to do? You want to? You got just got your first millions of dollars, and you just got to the league. And you got you got your TikToks, you got your NBA young boy playing in the background. You're hanging out with your friends. You're dunking on people, and you're gonna be like, "I'm gonna troll the media." Like, what are you, Kanye? Like, maybe. what are you doing? Like, like, how do you? Why do you feel like this is the thing you want to do right now? I'm realizing that maybe we're the problem because nobody wants to be embarrassed. It's okay, just mm-hmm. be embarrassed. I, I got that wrong, my man. I don't know, man. I don't watch that much basketball. Oh, that screen was small. I couldn't see. That's on me. Hey, the two timeline thing was something we was trying. It didn't work out. That's on me. I'm trying to rectify that now. It's a real thing. Just go ahead and pat yourself on the chest every now and then and say, that's on me. Everyone needs to practice this. This is something that just, we don't have enough of in, in the world today. Mm-hmm. Just say my I'm bad. too busy having sex to watch the Bucks. <laughs> yeah. She'd be listen, I'm too rich. I'm too rich to watch Milwaukee. Why don't you do this? Take lessons from your elders. If you're if you want to know what I'm talking about. Shaquille O'Neal on, on, you know, the NBA on TNT fully admitted he thought it took like four hours to get to the moon. And on air was like, turns out, takes a little bit longer than four hours to get to the moon. That's awesome. It made me like Shaq better. Brandon Miller should have just come out and been like, yeah, man, sorry. I didn't, I didn't know who Chris Middleton was. <laughs> just, go, just go full heel. Just go full heel. Yeah. It's Chris Middleton who plays for the Bucks. Right, you didn't put a picture of Michael Jordan on the screen. It's yeah. Chris Milton who played for the Bucks. I was forced to watch the Bucks two years ago when I was 15 years old, and I was in high school. I'm not watching the Bucks for fun. <laughs> I play for the Charlotte Hornets. I'm in the big leagues, baby. I'm not watching the Bucks. Go full heel. Cut a promo. Do yeah, something. That is Don't true. Just trolling the media. Just list names of players on on your team or something. I don't know. He just didn't think it through very much. We need uh, they need a consultant on how to handle these moments. I think that David Dennis, you have a future in helping people bounce back their media media mistakes. Just lean all the way in and always remember you aren't smarter than them. That's just uh, that's mm-hmm. just a good thing for all of us to remember is you're not going to outsmart everybody. It's just not a way that life works. Basketball players hire me to be your manager. Hire me not not like your manager of business. Uh-uh. Hire me to be like Bobby the Brain Heenan, your manager, <laughs> oh, who will just cut, who will just cut the heel promo for you. Be like, yeah, no, 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 is- no, no, no. My my person does not know who Chris Milton is. He doesn't care who Chris Milton is because my guy is going to win the championship, <laughs> and he's going to the Pontiac Silverdome to win the championship, baby. He ain't care about Silver somebody Dome. in the Little Leagues. Oh, That's how gosh. we do it. David Dennis, behind the genius behind Smart PR. When you get caught being stupid, get smart. Call <laughs> smart, smart PR. David Dennis. I like today. it. I like the idea of bringing uh, old school wrestling managers in for athletes who can't mm-hmm. talk or don't know what to say. I always say the wrong thing. Just get somebody out there to speak for you. Oh, That's me. man. That's I'll David Dennis. All right. We got I'll anything I'll else? I'll last people for fun. Last one. Got one more quote board here. Uh, what are the chances Grant Williams is going to shut down Jason Tatum? Oh, give me the quote board. All right. You can't go left, and I'm going to be physical with you. You'll go cry to the referees. This is what Grant Williams said uh, to Jason Tatum, who is an all-NBA perennial all-NBA player. Uh, went for 50 and playoff game last year. And it's probably the strongest reason why Grant Williams got a big contract is because he was in playoff games and big moments and people could see him. So 
I still give him a chance. I give him a chance. He's a good defensive player. He knows Jason Tatum's game. Uh, it's likely not going to be in a high-stakes situation. There is a chance Jason Tatum could be off. I will give him a 33% chance to shut him down. I give him a 25% chance. That is a guy who is using heel promo work right there, baby. That's how you cut, that's how you cut a good heel promo. I think the thing is, it's telling, though, yeah. that your own teammate – is like, dude, you can't go left. Like, maybe that's the thing that stuck out to be. Like, the the Warriors figured it out in the finals. People have started figuring it out. Maybe work on – like, it's bothering me still that the Celtics' future is built around a guy who can't go left like Zoolander and a guy who can't dribble. Like, right. these are the things that are worrying me. I think that's awesome. I think it's <laughs> awesome that their future is built around somebody who can't <laughs> dribble and can't go left, and he's still this good. Shouts out to Jason Tatum for that. Improving? No. Riding with what I got? Yes. Yes. That's the, I absolutely love it. He's being rewarded with millions of dollars for this, and that is why capitalism is the greatest system ever invented. I'm going to give him a 50% chance yes. of shutting down Jason Tatum. You know why? Because if he can't go left, right's the other 50% of the direction, okay? So if he has to guard him going to the right, it's pretty much over. But left, that's half of the direction I got. So I'm going to give him 50%. What's I say? I'm going to make both. Oh, <laughs> yes, I remember Again, this. What, what do you mistake him for anything but a heel? David's right. Like, I'm going to make both. Let me, That's what the heel says, and it's funnier when he misses. It's that great when he misses. There you go. There you go. That's how you do it. That's what gets people coming to the, to the stadium. Mm -hmm. yeah. You got to watch the heel lose, baby. That's these why you are, cut the heel promo and talk like he talk. These are great memories that I don't want to remember, but just in last year's playoffs, I think you guys all remember that Grant Williams was blamed for a loss because he wasn't playing much in the series against the Heat, but they threw him out there to try to find somebody to, to slow down Jimmy Butler. He went and started talking trash to Jimmy Butler. It angered Jimmy Butler. He then scored nine unanswered points. They pulled away and uh, beat the Celtics. So that's the way that game was remembered. But in Grant Williams' defense, I feel like nobody was trying to step up to Jimmy in that game. So I guess yeah. you don't get any bonus to, to step up and then get cooked. But at least he tried. He wasn't scared. Also, that's, that's, uh, I, I, that's what uh, we in the light-skinned community uh, called Jimmy Butler's three weeks of terror because he just terrorized every light-skinned dude he came across for like three weeks in the playoffs, and we just it was it was rough. It was a rough time. <laughs> he struck fear. I'm sorry. He struck fear. Jimmy Butler and Pusha T just be just light-skinned light-skinned brothers be scared of oh them two dudes. Gosh, I'm telling Jim you, Jones. I'm sorry. I, I just have to say some words in order to create a buffer for the transition back to Spencer. So I'm done talking. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Grant Williams, by the way, was the only person on the Celtics who scored in that run after that. He was the only one who did anything. So, again, 50% shot. I'm going to go ahead and ride with the heel. Did I do this with Dylan Brooks before he completely torpedoed the Grizzly season? Yes, I did. Do I want you to remember that? I'd like you to forget it immediately. Mm -mm. Doubling down on the Grant Williams talk here. It's a lot, a lot of yellow fellas going at it right here. So I'm going to I'm gonna go with that 25%. I believe that one because you, you a yellow fella. You know what, what our Jason Tatum and what Grant Williams are thinking. You I just want to say – Thank God for Jokic because he got Jamal Murray, oh, a bunch yeah. of light skinned bros in Denver, some rings. Elevate baby. all the yellow fellas. We back up, baby. We back up. It <laughs> was kind of look like Grant tough... Williams a little bit. He got a little, he, you kind of favor. That's not an insult. Grant Williams is not an ugly guy. I just feel like, I'm sorry. At least Spencer didn't say that. <laughs> Did you see this? Perfect composure. That's this a well played. You are the I man. Know in my role. <laughs> this is a man who's been around a lot of black Stone people. <laughs> I don't even nod too enthusiastically. Just let it slide. <laughs> oh, that's fun. <laughs>